Hello and welcome to episode 407 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow all my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and garden. Now coming up a little bit later on, the results of the garlic experiment are in for this year. And also after last week's where we spoke about fungal diseases, I thought I would follow it up with how I deal with pests. That's coming up a little bit later on, but first we have the diary. It is Friday the 23rd of July 2021 today and I'm at home just at my sub pod, my underground composting system. Just uh, feeling the temperature drop today. It's been a very, very hot week this week and that's made me a hell of a lot busier at work. But also uh, I've came home from work and I'm absolutely drained. But what I found about half eight, I've had the energy to go out into the garden and and water everything. Now, my, my day job is a fridge engineer, so that means when we get hot, we get busier. I have to travel around more and I'm in blazing hot sun all day long. So it is quite knackering. Today, however, it, it cooled down enough. I managed to finish work at a, a much nicer time and I managed to come home, have dinner and then spent a few hours out in the garden. Now, the first thing I wanted to do was mow the lawn. Now, I wanted to do that because we are expecting rain from tomorrow and I figured it's going to be better to mow the lawn while it's dry. So quickly whipped the lawnmower out, run over it and that's all gone into the compost heaps. After that, I went through my three vegetable beds and just cleared out a few weeds, which there's not many, but it needed doing. But more importantly, I was looking at thinning out my carrots and parsnips, which are growing in the Christmas dinner bed and another bed. Now, in terms of carrots and parsnips, they're actually producing really well. I'm really pleased with them. And I think I said last week, things at home seem to be growing better than down the allotment. And carrots and parsnips are definitely one of those. Now, the thinnings were actually big enough that we can eat them or use them over the weekend in various meals. So that is certainly what we will be doing. Nothing gets wasted anyway. And carrots, uh, they're not full size yet, but they are just a, a really usable size. So we've thinned them out and that's given the carrots remaining in the ground a bit more room in order to grow. Now also my peas are producing really, really well here. Much better than on the allotment. And they're starting to really start showing themselves and be able to start picking those within a few days. So I'm going to have to keep a close eye on them and just make sure that we can start picking some of our peas when they are ready. Now one other thing that I've noticed is my tabry bush. Now I've had this tabry bush about five years and it was given to me by my wife's stepmom. And uh, we've never really had much in a way from fruit from it it's what I call gone through this sort of establishing phase but this year it really has put on lots of growth and it looks absolutely stunning in fact done what I wanted to do which was to create a bit of screening well it's also produced a lot of fruit and I've been out there today picking a lot of tabries I think we've got about a kilo of tabries now sitting inside our kitchen that we will tuck into over the weekend I may have to make jam just so that it's preserved because tabries don't tend to last for very long once they are harvested 
Anyway, this is, this is just a quick Friday update, so a lot has already happened in just a couple of hours in the home plot, but hopefully that's going to give me more time on the allotment over the weekend. Well, it is Saturday the 24th of July 2021 today. I'm down on the allotment and uh, yeah, what a day, what a day. Now, it was in terms of weather. Overnight, we had a lot of rain come in, thunderstorms, and that was meant to carry on throughout the day, although get milder and milder, just a few rain showers, which I thought was going to be great. I can go down the allotment. I don't mind the odd shower. I can always run in a greenhouse if it gets too heavy or sit in a van. But at least it would be a bit cooler in order to spend some time on the allotment. So, a bit of a leisurely start to the day. I didn't get down here to about half nine. And then... First thing I did was went round with the strimmer and just strimmed all the grass areas and got that down nice and low again. This is something I try and do regularly. It does make a difference just keeping on top of it, which is why I always do it as my first job. But what I'm also doing at the same time is that I'm walking around. I'm just inspecting all my plants and seeing if there's anything that needs attention or anything that I need to focus on. And sure enough, as I looked around my potatoes, I am seeing some signs that blight has affected some of my potatoes. Now, I say some because it's not all of them. It only seems to be a particular variety. The international kidney is one particular variety that is affected by blight. The rest doesn't seem too bad. So what it means I've got to do is dig up all those international kidney potatoes get rid of the halums the, the plants themselves and use the potatoes straight away before the infection spreads now there's a good chance that some of the other potatoes won't be affected by blight because they're a different variety and in fact some of the varieties are a blight resistant variety so it's not a complete and utter loss now after that I cleared out a few more weeds in some of the beds as a, a regular thing again trying to keep on top of the weeds now what I've noticed is a bed that I cleared out was onions originally growing in here and I've cleared that out a few weeks ago. I laid some compost down, I didn't lay any cardboard which was a bit of a mistake and I did sow some radish seeds. Unfortunately the cooch grass just grew too quick that I couldn't get on top of it so I've kind of lost all the radish seeds that were sown in there. Not a huge problem, I tend to grow radishes at home. It was just more of a, an idea to try and use up this bed in the meantime. But what this got me thinking is with the success of Facilia grown over the winter, perhaps I could throw down some green manure seeds. And I've looked at Facilia, that's going to be one that I might use just as it's a quick growing crop and it, or not even a crop, quick growing green manure and it acts as a weed suppressant and it did do that very well on the other half of a plot. But the other thing I'm looking at is a green manure known as mustard and this is obviously the mustard that we can eat and again that's going to be quick growing, it's going to shade out any of the other cooch grass, could harvest the leaves as a mustard leaf, could let it go to seeds so I can save the mustard seeds and create some mustard. Or just use it as a, a uh, dig it into the soil 
when it comes time to plant out what's going in there next, garlic. These are the options I'm weighing up. I've got two months before the garlic will go in, so I want something quick that's going to act as a green manure in there and help the garlic to grow. Then I will cover it over in cardboard, add a layer of compost on top and then plant my garlic into there. Now talking of my garlic, I went to that bed again. I harvested all my garlic except for the spring-sown garlic a few weeks ago. Well, the spring-sown garlic has been affected by leek rust, so it was time I felt to get it out of there. And it is about time to harvest the uh, spring-sown garlic. And I quickly whipped them out and I was surprised at the results. Now, I was doing this experiment this year. These spring-sown garlic was sown really late. And we're talking end of March, beginning of April. I can't remember when it was. It was around that time. I'll have to go back over my notes and find out. And I'll let you know in the, uh, in the podding shed what, what I did there. But what I was expecting is that because garlic supposedly needs a period of cold in order to create cloves, I was expecting all this garlic to not have broken down into cloves. Well, I was wrong. It has actually broken down into some really nice cloves. Now, we did have a bit of a late frost in May, so it might be due to that that, that caused it to happen. The spring-sown bulbs themselves were actually a little bit smaller than my autumn-sown bulbs, but not by much, and certainly nothing to be upset by. So I'm a bit of a bit of a quandary as to how to dissect these results. I think that'll be something I'll go into when I'm back in the podding shed and uh, talk to you about a bit later on in this podcast. After that, I fed my sweet corn. Now, my sweet corn has really started to grow quite a bit now. I was getting a little bit worried. I didn't get my sweet corn out as early as I usually would. It's a little bit behind. But now it has started to really grow, and it's probably doubled in the last week. It's now about four foot high, and I reckon next week it'll be heating that six foot high, and I can even start to see some of the flower buds just start forming on the very top. So I'm really, really happy actually that the sweet corn is really starting to to take shape and look really good. Hopefully soon we will start to get some really nice, tasty sweet corn out of it. Right, well that is it for today on the allotment. I may be back down here tomorrow or I may spend some time at home. It is Sunday the 25th of July 2021 today. I'm in my potting shed, or the podding shed as I call it, here at home. And, well, first thing this morning, we had rain overnight and uh, it was certainly very wet morning. So I ran down the allotment and just did a little bit more weeding and clearing out. But the weather did get worse and worse, so after a while I came back home. And when I got home, I decided I was going to spend some time in my shed. That way I could get out the the wet weather, but at the same time do some work. And I, I spent quite a while pricking out some of my little seeds. I've pricked out some cabbage, which uh, grow over the winter. I've pricked out my perillia, which is the first time I've tried growing perillia. This is a, a new one to me, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on. Pricked out some thyme. And not technically a vegetable, but I've sown, or earlier in the year, I sowed some cactus from seed. And I've pricked those out into individual trays as well. Uh, These have all gone into what I call, or what I now use, that create like little um, plug plants. I'm finding, or I've started using these this year, and I've found 
little bit less compost needed so less waste and they seem to work quite well so uh, I'm going to stick with those I'm still going to use the root trainers but these plug plants uh, I'm going to stick with as well now I also sowed some seeds because I had a bit of time that I wanted to sow some seeds. We had a bit of break in the weather so I ran outside, I sowed some turnips, some radishes and some more spring onions. Now these are all destined to provide salads. I also sowed some lettuce I just remembered, I haven't made a note of that. Um, so the salad crops obviously we're going to grow those, we'll eat those in the veggie pod and various other places in order to keep our salads coming in. Turnips will be an autumn slash winter crop of the turnip uh, balls which I'm not a fan of actually but I've got to give them another try again. But inside this shed I've been sowing some more wongbok Chinese cabbage, some more perillia just because I had some seeds left up uh, some more chicory again had more seeds left up some kale and some seeds that have lost their label so I've got no idea what they are I've just thrown them in just to get them used up and we'll see what happens so today yes it's been a, a busy day here in the shed with this bad weather which I actually am quite grateful for in some ways because it gave me an excuse just to get on and do a lot of these little tasks that I probably should have done a lot sooner well that is it for this week's diary section. Please do let me know how you have get on in your own allotments and garden over this last week and what you've been up to. I'm going to have one of my commercial breaks and I'll be back where we're going to be talking about pests. A few months ago I launched the VegGrow Podcast Supporters Club. Each month I send out a gift pack of a collection of seeds to sow each month along with a newsletter. I also produce behind the scenes podcasts or videos providing club members with extra content. And we are constantly adding extra features to improve the club. It costs just £5 a month and current members tell me that they have found that the seeds alone are value for money. This also helps me keep the podcast and the website running and more importantly, it helps me encourage and inspire more people to grow their own food. Now, if that sounds like something you are interested in joining, then head over to the vegcrowdpodcast.co.uk to find out more. But if you want to support the podcast without becoming a member, we also have merchandise available on the website, including mugs and t-shirts. Or leave a review on your podcast service or share this podcast with others. It all goes a long way to help supporting the VegGround podcast. Well, that is this last week here at TVGPHQ. Busy, busy, busy. But something I did mention during the diary was the final harvesting of the garlic. And that has concluded the garlic experiment. Now, if you remember back in the end of March, I started an experiment just to see how much effect there is on garlic based on how late we plant our garlic. Now usually I will plant my garlic around the end of September, beginning of October, which I did do last year as normal. And I've always done that because we are told that garlic needs to spend 30 nights where the temperature is below 10 degrees C. This is so that the garlic will form cloves. Without this cold period, we're told that what will happen is that garlic will just become a, a solid bulb 
Well, this year I wanted to test that. And so what I did is I planted out some garlic at the end of the March, as well as my normal autumn sown garlic. Now I hope by planting out that lot of garlic that late on, the temperature would stay above 10 degrees C overnight in order to test this theory. But I didn't check the weather. There are websites online which I've had a look this evening and I just wanted to see what the temperature was during April. Now I do know April this year we were all complaining it was cold. It seemed like a late start to the season. And sure enough throughout April every night was below 10 degrees C. Which meant that the whole experiment about being above 10 degrees C has gone out the window. I couldn't test that theory. One night it even dropped as low as minus 4. Now I thought if I went back to 2020 I would see that this April was a fluke. But I was wrong. Last April 2020 the temperature was also a, a below 10 degrees C overnight as well. So that tells me that April or beginning of April and March is the wrong time to plant garlic in order to test this theory. Perhaps next year in order to test this out I will need to plant out in the end of April and see how it goes throughout May. Now the other half of this experiment was of course to see if the earlier planted bulbs grew bigger than the bulbs. Now this was not exactly a fair test to be honest. I used different varieties. I sowed my usual early purple white and purple white in autumn. Now I've saved those seeds each year so they're kind of accustomed to my growing conditions. Whereas the one I planted out in spring was a variety called Flavor. I've never grown that before. It's not a safe seed. I bought that seed from a garden centre. The results is the important thing. The results is every single garlic bulb split into cloves. So I could not really test this theory about it being below 10 degrees C. So that is inconclusive. But the size of the bulbs... Well, the autumn sown bulbs were definitely much larger. They were noticeably larger than the spring sown bulbs. But what I also noticed, the spring sown bulbs were a bit larger than anything bought at a supermarket. So either way, growing your own garlic produces a bigger bulb. That, that's my conclusion from what I've seen from this. And autumn sown varieties definitely grow into larger bulbs. Now we're going to keep trying to experiment with this garlic experiment each year for the foreseeable future. I know that might be something that seems a little stupid to try and test but I just want to give it a try because uh, what I expected was that the spring sown garlic would basically become an entire large garlic bulb. No cloves, just an entire bulb of garlic. That didn't happen but I want to see if it will happen next year. Now moving on from that, last week I spoke about fungal diseases and how I deal with them. And after that I had a few messages from listeners asking me how I deal with pests. The most common pest of course being slugs and snails. Now I have to be honest with you, I don't get many problems with pests. I don't think I've ever lost anything to slugs and snails by being wiped out overnight. I grow hostas which are a magnet to slugs and snails and they never get touched at all. 
So why is this? What makes my garden method so unique that I don't get these problems? And I actually think it's down to a multitude of reasons based on my approach to gardening. Now, the number one method, and I'll say this all the time, is to try and encourage wildlife into my garden and allotment. Natural predators such as wild birds, hedgehogs, frogs, certain insects, they will help reduce pest numbers. I put bird houses up, roosting points, bird feeders, hedgehog houses, gaps in the fences for the hedgehogs to explore. I leave some areas to go a bit wild to give covers for frogs and other insects. There's ladybird houses on pot up ready to attract all these different predators to reduce pest numbers. Now I try to encourage wild birds of course but pigeons can actually be a problem particularly with brassicas. They tend to try and eat the leaves and I've also found that they can pull up young plants or even pull out garlic cloves. Now when they pull out garlic cloves I quickly pop the cloves back in as soon as I see them and that's fine. It usually doesn't leave any more problems than a little bit of work. But when I first plant out my young plants, whatever it is, my tomatoes, my courgettes, my cabbages, I will place a net over them. That way the pigeons stay off the plants. Only for a couple of weeks and then I will remove the, the net. Now most gardeners will say that they leave their nets on over the brassicas to keep the pigeons off all the time. And that's not a bad idea. That's certainly a method that works. But for me, I found that that made my work in life harder. It left me, well, with weedy areas because I had an obstacle stopping me from getting in and weeding immediately. So what I will do is I'll take those nets off once the plants are established and I feel they're not going to get uprooted. Then what I will do is I will place bird scare tape around. Now the bird scare tape is silver on one side. It flaps in the wind and it catches the sun and that can scare off pigeons. It, it works very, very well, but it doesn't scare off the small birds such as thrushes. And they are most welcome because they will eat certain pests such as cabbage white caterpillars. Now cabbage white butterflies are often seen in cabbage patches and what they will do is they will lay eggs on the leaves of cabbages. The eggs will hatch and caterpillars will emerge and those caterpillars will munch through cabbage plants very very quickly. Overnight it's not unheard of and it's something that I often hear people complain about. Again I don't have this problem because of my methods of gardening. Now we could pot nets over the cabbages and that will stop the butterflies from laying eggs on your cabbages. The trouble is if a net even remotely touches a cabbage or the cabbage grows so big that it comes to touching the net in, the cabbage white butterflies can still lay their eggs. And this is why I found encouraging thrushes, encouraging those small birds just to eat those eggs, eat those caterpillars, does a much better job than netting in my opinion. Now, the other problem I often hear is rabbits, badgers, deer. Now, again, they're not a pest I've really had many problems with. The only ones I've had problems slightly with was badgers on my old allotment, which I'll get into in just a moment. But the problems with these is that they tend to eat a lot of our plants. They are 
uh, munch away on our carrots, munch away on our cabbages. You name it, they will munch away on it. The closest pests that I've had with these are my chickens, who, if they get into my vegetable beds, they will uproot everything, they will eat everything. And that's why I've erected little fences made out of chicken wire around my vegetable beds to keep the chickens off. And that really has worked very, very well for me. And I would guess that would be the same for rabbits, badgers, deer. But the other thing that I would do, and this is, comes back to the pigeons as well, is I would have a sacrificial crop. Now, these sacrificial crop would be easy for the pests to get to. So rabbits, badgers, obviously they can dig under fences if they so wanted to. But if there's a, a bed that they can just go straight into and eat the food that is there, they're going to do that. If I had these problems, I would leave a bed that is just easily accessible and I would just grow some sacrificial crops. Just like I say, my pigeon problems very rarely get the problems, but I do have sacrificial crops that they can eat and not what I want to eat. Now, I did say about the badger problem. Then this was on my old allotment and everyone on my allotment site had basically given up trying to grow sweet corn because the badgers would knock down the plants and eat the sweet corn. Well, it happened by accident, really. I grew sweet corn in a very large wooden box. And it was so large and so heavy duty that the badgers could not get into this box and eat my sweet corn. Well, it worked. And I was the envy of all the allotment holders. And to me, just showed me that what you have to do is a physical barrier in certain cases to try and stop certain pests from getting your plants. Now, my next method is to clear away dead or dying vegetation immediately. Sometimes lower leaves on cabbages or tomatoes, they might start to turn yellow and start to die back. And this is an easy target for pests. It's a weakness that the pests will immediately attack. So as soon as I see this, I just remove those leaves and remove those branches and get rid of them. Really, really easy tip to do. Basically, keep your plants clean. Keep your plants well looked after. Earlier in the year, I spoke about interplanting, which is basically planting, for example, a row of carrots alongside a row of onions. Now, this has the effect that it will confuse some pests. And in the example that I just gave, carrot root fly, the onions will deter the carrot root fly. Now, Carrot roof fly is a particularly nasty pest for carrots. And this is where my next method comes into play. And again, it comes back to the physical barrier in some ways. Carrot roof fly cannot fly above 30 centimetres. So if you have raised beds like I do, and they're 45 centimetres tall, you're not likely to get carrot root fly into your carrots. But you could also put carrots in pots higher up. That will also mean that carrot root fly cannot get them. It's basically a case of knowing your pest and learning how to attack them. Now, finally, as soon as I harvest any of my vegetables, my fruit, I will water my plants. Now, my theory here is that the water will disperse and reduce any of those smells that you get when you harvest particular crops the best example i've got if you ever harvest carrots you'll suddenly get that waft of fresh carrots hit you 
if you water that straight away, that smell is just reduced. But also, I believe that pests do not like getting wet, so they will avoid that wet weather. It reminds them a bit like green, so they will go into shelter and possibly not then attack your crops. That is entirely my theory, and I'm sharing those with you as a, a few ideas. It's my multiple method of reducing pests on, on the plot, and that has worked really well for me. Like I say, I don't get many problems with any pests. And that means I don't have to use any nasty chemicals on my food. But if you've got any methods or any tips that you have used, then please do let me know so I can share those as well. Now you can email me richard at the uk. You can leave a comment on the blog post at the uk, or you can leave a voicemail even that can be played into the podcast. And of course, you can find me on social media. Just search for the Veg Grower Podcast. Well, that is it for this week. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope this has been some use to you. I will be back again next time. So until then, please take care. <laughs>